world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. And he raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome this morning to Delta Church. Thank you for uh, worshiping with us this morning, as you can see. Um, you are the survivors. You have made it through to the end of the book of Daniel, um, and it's been um, an excellent trip. Um, and this morning, we're going to wrap it up before next week. We're going to move into the book of Titus, and so that's going to be the next book of the Bible that we're going to study. I'm excited about that, but this morning, we're going to turn our concentration to these nine verses. Um, confession is uh, when we first started going into Daniel, I was a little worried um, about preaching through the book of Daniel. Um, I had personally never sat through um, a preaching series in any of the churches I've ever attended um, where the pastor has worked his way through all 12 chapters. Um, most guys will heartily go after one through six. It's the stories that we all love, um, Daniel and Lion's Den, um, the fiery furnace and those sorts of things. But um, sometimes uh, we get weak need um, and we drop off in chapters 7 through 12. But I really felt that it was necessary um, for us to look at some of these hard texts. And um, it's been really good for me. Um, and I hope that God has been speaking to you. Uh, I've been greatly challenged, more immensely challenged by these visions that Daniel received than I was really expecting to be. I'm really grown and encouraged in my walk with Christ as a result. And so my hope, my prayer for you as I've been spending time in study and prayer is that God would have been doing the same in your life as well. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pray, and then we're going to turn our attention to these chapters or to these verses in the Daniel chapter 12. And really the idea we're going to see this morning is this idea of God's future promise and how it affects us and motivates us to be faithful in the present. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we believe in your ability to demonstrate the power of the living God. And so I pray, Father, that the Spirit in me would energize me and speak through me 
So that this morning would not be an exercise of hearing the words of Pastor John, but this morning would be an exercise in hearing the words of the Spirit of Christ in me. As the Holy Spirit seeks to make much of the living God as we look at these verses. God, may we leave here this morning celebrating our risen Savior and knowing that we have experienced the full-blown demonstration of the power of God. We need you to do this in us, and it's in the name of Christ we pray these things. Amen. So as we ended last week, if you remember, we worked our way through Daniel chapter 11, but then we ended the sermon by looking at the first four verses of Daniel chapter 12. And in these verses we saw a picture of the very last hours of the last days of human history. We said that at the time of the end, God's people are going to experience a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation until that time. This was the angel's way of describing the persecution and the severe suffering that was going to come about in those last days. We saw that at that time an evil leader will come into power bringing persecution to wherever the church is found. And it will be a terrible time of suffering and death and untold destruction. But as we waded through Daniel chapter 11, those 45 verses, and saw this picture magnified in a huge way, we made note that this was not the only thing that Daniel was to come away with. He wasn't just merely to see that conflict and opposition, severe suffering, persecution, were not to just be the only lot for God's people. We also saw that God's people have the hope of future glory. In the end, Satan will be defeated at that time, and everyone whose name is found written in the book of life has this promise. They have the promise of deliverance, the promise of resurrection, and the promise of exaltation. This is the future hope of glory that those in Christ have when thinking about the end of the days. But before Daniel's last vision fades to black, God has one final message for his servant, and that's what we see here in verses 5 through 13. In a sense, these last verses are like a bow on a package. You put a bow on a package to sort of tie it all together, bring it to a close, and basically to just set it apart. And that's really what these last verses are. They are the finishing touch themselves where God is going to speak through an angel. And as he does so in this conversation with Daniel, as he's overhearing this man who was clothed in linen, we're going to see that This message to Daniel in the last days is actually just going to be a call for Daniel to live out the remainder of his days with faithful endurance. Again, at this stage in the game, Daniel is in 85 to 90. He's been living in Babylon, but he's not only been living in Babylon as an exile, but he's been thriving in Babylon as an exile. 
walking in a way that is completely faithful, completely true, enduring much opposition that's come to him in his days. And here at the end of all things, Daniel is going to get one last encouragement. Daniel is told that, yes, God's people are going to suffer. He's going to have that message repeated to him one last time. But he's also going to receive the encouragement that those who endure to the end of this suffering have the promise of everlasting life. And since this future promise is sure, then that is meant to have an impact on Daniel's life in the present just as much as the realities of what God is going to do in the future is meant to have an impact on our lives right now in the present. This future promise is absolutely sure. It is certain. And because it is certain, then the message that Daniel hears here in these last verses is that you and I, Daniel himself, God's people, are to walk faithfully in the here and now. This begins by Daniel speaking in verse 5. Daniel says, Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood One on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. If you remember all the way back at Daniel chapter 10, we said chapters 10, 11, and 12 were three big chapters devoted to one singular event. And if you go back to the beginning of Daniel chapter 10, what you find is Daniel standing on the the bank of the river Tigris and this angel is there, this man who is clothed in linen, he begins to speak to Daniel. So Daniel's now still in this position, he's still in this place, this one is still standing before him and this angel's going to give some pardoning shots to Daniel as this vision fades to black and this is the last thing we ever hear about Daniel here in his book. And so as Daniel's standing on the bank of the stream, he sees one angel on this side of the stream, he sees another angel on the opposite side of the stream, and then he continues and says, someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, above the waters of the river Tigris, this question, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? So at the end of his final vision, Daniel catches sight of two angels having a conversation with the man clothed in linen. And if you remember, we said that this character is the same one that we saw back in Daniel chapter 10, but we said this is the character who was full of brightness and authority. He was the one that was just seemingly shining with majesty reflecting the glory of God himself and when he was speaking, he was speaking with authority. He was speaking as one who sounded like a multitude of people. This same character is now here in Daniel chapter 12, verse 5. And we've seen that this man clothed in linen, full of brightness and authority, was not only just revealing events to come from God's book of truth, but he was also been explaining the spiritual warfare that goes on behind these events. That's Daniel 10 and that's Daniel 11. But now one of the angels is going to ask the man clothed in linen a question. How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? 
And if you think about it, it's really not a surprising question. I mean, it's the question I think most of us ask whenever we read things like this. I think it was the question on Daniel's lips. Maybe he was a little reserved, like, man, I've got questions about all this stuff that I've just seen in Daniel 10 and the things I've heard in Daniel 11. Like, is it okay for me to ask? And so this angel pipes up. He's like, what's going on here? Like, how, how long is it going to be till these, these wonders happen? What kind of wonders? God's people are going to suffer greatly. This final evil king will be defeated and all are going to resurrect from the grave is what Daniel learns. They're going to resurrect from the grave either to everlasting life or everlasting death. So the angel asked the question that we all want to know, when is this going to happen? It's a question of time. Like, is this happening now or like next week? Is it going to be multiple years down the road? What is going to be the timeline for these things. How long will this persecution last and how long until God's kingdom arrives on earth? And the answer to this question is given in verse, verse 7. And notice that it is an answer of certainty in the midst of great suffering. Daniel says, verse 7, I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. And this is how he answered this question. He raised his right hand and then he raised his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever, that's God, that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. So the angel we see literally swears to God. Like he's giving a solemn vow. He's saying, listen, the answer I'm about to give to you is as certain as the day is long. I am swearing by the eternal one himself, by the God who cannot lie. And not only am I going to raise my right hand by my left hand, and I want you to know that my answer is reliable and it is marked with certainty. And we see that enigmatic phrase come back again, a time, times, and half a time. But what we said when we saw that phrase last time back in Daniel chapter 7 is whatever kind of description we want to give to it, it at least tells us this. God has set boundaries for these events. God has set a limit for these things. The persecution of God's people, the final destruction of the enemy of our souls, the resurrection of the dead. God has it marked down to the second. And it will not extend one second longer than God has allowed. Of this, the angel says, God's people can be certain. But this does not mean, the angel continues to say, that God's people are going to escape suffering during this time. If you notice that in verse 7, the angel continues his answer to the question of how long. He, he doesn't only say, how long? Well, it's a time times and half a time, but he also turns Daniel's attention to this reality by saying that all these things will be finished. All the stuff that we've just looked at in Daniel chapter 11 and the first four verses of chapter 12, all these things will be finished when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end. So the good news is that the shattering of the power of God's people will come to an end. But these things will not come to an end until the attacks of this last evil king, the one that we said is the Antichrist himself. These things will not draw to an end until first the Antichrist completely shatters God's people in those last days. 
As one brother put it in thinking through the reality of what it means for this last evil king, this last evil ruler, the Antichrist, to shatter the power of the holy people at the end of days, he says this, there will come the point in history where it appears that darkness really has won the day. It will seem as if the Antichrist and his evil ways are going to continue forever. It will seem as if the church really has been entirely obliterated, for there will no longer be any sign of the church in the last days. So we learn along with Daniel, in answer to the question of how long shall it be till these wonders, that God's kingdom... The final and full ushering in of his kingdom and the wonders of resurrection and the wonders of deliverance and the wonders of being exalted in Christ, they will not arrive as a result of the church exerting strength. They will not come about because the church is strong in that last day. It will not come about because we are relying on ourselves in that last day. It will actually instead come about and arrive with the shattering of the church. It's only when the Antichrist breaks the power of God's people that these things will be accomplished. That's the answer to the question. And it's the answer that we see completely befuddles Daniel. The angel's answer to this question is genuinely hard to comprehend. I mean, what does he mean by a time, times, and half a time? What does he mean by the shattering of the power of the holy people coming to an end? Like You can just sense Daniel's just standing there going, uh-huh, yeah, okay. So like, I hear what you're saying, but I don't understand what you're saying. And that's exactly what we see. In verse 8, it's no small wonder that Daniel reacts the way he does. Look at how he responds. How long is it going to be till the end? Time, times, half a time, people are going to be shattered. He's like, okay, so I just saw your mouth moving, and I just heard the words in my ear, but I have literally no clue what you just said. That's the John Davis paraphrase of verse 8. I heard, Daniel says, but I did not understand. He is truly perplexed. And the angel's answer leads him then to ask a second question. This time it's his own question. Angel asks question, gets an answer. Daniel's like, have no clue what that one is about. So I'm going to ask my own question. And that's what we see there in verse 8. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, then I asked my question, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? Daniel wants to know how is this going to end for God's people? Are they going to be completely annihilated? Will they be able to survive the shattering that is going to come their way? Are God's people going to be completely erased off the map? What is the result of these things is Daniel's question. And so the angel now, the man clothed in linen, is going to turn and he's going to give a second answer. But notice that his answer is sort of a non-answer. He's going to say... You ask me a question. I'm going to give you an answer. It's not the answer that you quite are expecting, but then I'm going to turn and actually give you an answer that is actually going more toward your question. So at first, the angel doesn't seem to give Daniel an answer to his question. Daniel says, how is this going to end for God's people? 
angel says, Daniel, you just need to go your way for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Daniel is just flat out told that he simply doesn't need to know how all these details are going to work themselves out. This isn't for you to know right now, Daniel. This isn't for you to try to wrap your mind around right now. Don't be overly consumed or bogged down with the details of these future events. And in a way, this is great encouragement to us because my guess is that many of us have found ourselves over the course of Daniel 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, here in 12, we found ourselves right here with Daniel going, man, like I hear what Pastor John is saying, like I'm looking at my Bible and I'm reading these things, like I literally cannot understand these things. It's like I'm so thankful that like Daniel just goes like, man, like I don't know what's going on. And you don't see him rebuked for it. I think one of the small things we can learn from this is God says, like, listen, it's okay to not understand all these details. Be encouraged by this. It really is okay. But in a sense, this is good news. Because as Daniel sees these things, he's still going to get an answer. These words pertain to the distant future. So when the angel says to him, listen, you don't need to know about these things right now. Preserve them, roll them up, keep them for the time of the end. There's coming a day when God's people will need to know this information. But for right now, you just need to remain faithful to what you do know. Close these things up and keep them for that day. Don't burn all your energy on what can't be known right now, Daniel. And so then the angel redirects Daniel to what can be known. And that's what we see in verses 10, 11, and 12. When you think, Daniel, when you think God's people, when we think about all these things we've been learning, and we ask the question, how is this going to end? One part of the answer is, do not attempt to be overly bogged down with the details. Don't get so bogged down with the things that you don't know about that you begin to not obey the things you do know. And some of the things that we can know are found here in verses 10, 11, and 12. One of the things that can be known, one of the outcomes of the persecution that are going to come about in these final days, the angel directs Daniel's attention to. He says, listen, in that day, one of the outcomes of this persecution that's going to come to God's people is that many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. So he's speaking of suffering and persecution as a refining process for God's people. You can think about it like this. Just as gold is refined by fire, so these saints are going to be refined by the fire of persecution. They are going to find themselves cleansed, made white. They will be purified by these things. The angel says it's these people in Christ who are being refined by these things, not lost in these things, but refined by this severe suffering. These are the ones who are wise. You see that at the end of verse 10. And they're wise because they truly understand what God is doing in those last days of final judgment. But there's a big contrast because verse 10 says there will be many who will be purified cleansed and refined 
genuinely understanding what God is doing in that day, but that day will also be filled with the wicked who shall act wickedly. And the reality is that their perception of the things that God is doing in those last days is going to be completely remiss on them. They will not understand what God is doing. The idea is this, is that these wicked ones will join the Antichrist in persecuting God's people. For all their worldly wisdom, as they tout the wisdom of the world and how they are wise in their own eyes, they will not be able to discern the signs of the times. Blind to the fact that judgment is just around the corner, they will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived as they go along, traipsing through life, not realizing that the final wrapping up of all of human history is literally just right around the corner and that it will not go well for them if they do not turn to God. But not only that, at the time of the end, we see that true worship of the living God will become an impossibility. That's what verse 11 is all about. In verse 11, the angel continues to say, and from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away, so that's this idea of worship that's going on there, and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. So if you zoom in on that phrase of the regular burnt offering being taken away and the abomination that makes desolate, we've already seen that language before back at the end of Daniel chapter 11 where we said that there was one figure in history. Remember this guy, Antiochus Epiphanes IV? We've talked about him now several times. He was an evil king of the Seleucid Empire who sought to bring the wrath of hell against God's people repeatedly, brought massive destruction, massive death, He devoured God's people, and what he did was he brought an end to the regular burnt offering in around 165 A.D. or so, B.C., and what he did was he came into Jerusalem, he sacked the temple, completely shut down the worshiping of God, he stopped the regular burnt offering, and then what he did was he desecrated the temple of God by setting up an altar to his God of Zeus. You can go read about this in the secular history books. And so back in chapter 11, we see this language describing the actions of this one evil ruler. But here in Daniel chapter 12, verse 11, the angel says there's coming one day a ruler who's going to do the exact same thing, but he's going to make Antiochus Epiphanes look like freshman squat. This guy's going to show up on the scene. He's going to be varsity level. At the time of the end, an even greater ruler will arise doing the exact same thing, and he is going to seek to do whatever he can to obliterate the church of Jesus Christ. In those days, the Antichrist will make regular public worship of God impossible, and he will leverage all of his power to do whatever he can to severely persecute God's people. In commenting on this verse, Martin Luther said this, It may come to pass that the world becomes so unrestrained in its thinking in these last days that throughout the entire world there will be no pulpit left from which the gospel is publicly preached because the ban on the love of God and the worship of God and the speaking of God 
the proclaiming of Christ, it will be completely an impossibility to where events like this where we gather are going to be just non-existent because of the way this evil king is ruling and reigning. In short, when you finally come to the end of verse 11, at the at the time of the end, the picture is this. Wickedness will abound because wicked people will decidedly remain in their wickedness. And because of this unbounded evil, God's people will have need to endure. And that's what you see in verse 12. Look what the angel says. Blessed is he who endures. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. So, whether you take this number literally, that 1,290 and the 1,335, or whether you take these numbers symbolically, the point is this, is that God's people will need to endure in those days. They're going to have the need for faithful obedience, perseverance in these last days. Like, right, if you just think about it, 1,335 days is noticeably larger than 1,290 days. So if someone endures through the 1,290 days of severe suffering only to arrive at the 1,335th day, then this person is one who has endured to the end. That's the point. See, in days marked by persecution and pain, God's people will have the need to faithfully endure to the end. Trusting the promise of God's resurrection to everlasting life and deliverance at the end of days. So if you think about it, this last message that God gives to Daniel revolves around two questions. Verse 6, it's a question of time. One of the angels says, how long shall it be till the end? And then you go and you look at verse 8 and we saw our second question. And it was a question of outcome, where Daniel says, I literally don't understand what's going on here. And so he says, how is this going to end? But I think the third and final question we must ask ourselves here at the very end of Daniel's book isn't just a question of time. It's not a question of outcome, but it's a question of application. It's a question of so what? Like, what, like what do these things mean for me? And I think the question we can ask ourselves as we roll from verse 12 into verse 13, the last verse of the last chapter of the book of Daniel, the question that we must ask ourselves is this, how shall we live in light of these things? Like, how are we supposed to live in light of all of this end times information that we've been studying for the past five or six weeks or so? Like, what's the point? Like, what does this mean for me tomorrow morning on, on Monday? And I think it boils down to this. We must literally ask ourselves, why visions? Why apocalyptic literature? Why all these enigmatic details of times and time and half a time and 72 weeks and the ancient of days and the son of man and big horns and little horns and rams with horns, button goats with two horns? It's like, it's like what? what's the point of all this? How are these six chapters, which are chocked full of visions and enigmatic language, supposed to guide us in our time, in our place? And my, my argument is that the answer to this question of how are we supposed to live now, today, in light of these things, the answer is verse 13. The answer is verse 13. Think about this. 
Daniel has received visions of the Ancient of Days. He's seen one like the Son of Man. He's seen the toppling of nations. He's spoken with angelic visitors. He's seen the reality of spiritual warfare. He was shown glimpses of where God is steering the course of human history. He has seen the mind-boggling reality that one day God's people will finally know deliverance, resurrection, and exaltation. But here, at the end of it all, last verse, last chapter of the entire book of Daniel, what is his answer? The, an- the, the, the angel comes to Daniel and says, listen, you just need to go your way until the end of your days. You just need to go your way to the end of your days. You're to walk in faithfulness in the here and now in light of these things that you have just been told. Yes, you're going to rest. You're going to stand in your allotted place at the end of days. Daniel, you are one of those who will be resurrected unto everlasting life. You will know rest. You will know these Beautiful realities of deliverance and exaltation as you are trusting in God. But what this means for you here and now is this. Faithfully walk in obedience to God. Just keep on doing what you've been doing for the past 85 years of your life. Because Daniel had the promise of future deliverance, he was told by the angel... Walk right now in faithfulness. Listen, anytime you bump into biblical end times information, the constant application, Old Testament or New Testament, is always this. Now that you know some of this stuff, be faithful right here in the present. Now that you know these things about the future, walk with endurance and perseverance here and now. This is the constant application of biblical eschatology. Eschatology is a fancy word that simply means the study of the end times. And the purpose of end times information is always to motivate God's people to remain faithful in the present. And for those of us who walk in Christ Jesus, it is exactly the same for us today. See, one of the ways that you and I can walk in present faithfulness is to recognize the point of eschatology. This is the question I think many of us are asking, like, what do I do with this now? What's the point with all this end-time information? And the point of eschatology is not for us to figure out all the details. As I just said, oftentimes we get bogged down in all the stuff we don't know, letting this hinder us from faithfully obeying God in what we do know. Listen, eschatology isn't for calculators. It's not for charts. Eschatology is for evangelism, is my argument. And where do I get this from? I've been thinking about this all week. This is a phrase that bumped into my mind as I was thinking about these things here at the very end because I'm asking the question and I'm the pastor going, so like, what's the deal with this, like, what am I supposed to do with all this information? Six chapters of events that are going to come in the future. Because it's the temptation for my heart to look at all these details and go, what does this mean? And what does that mean? And what is that time? And what is that date? And what are the dates and the weeks and the months and the people and the characters? And we get so bogged down in all of these things definitions and details of all these visions that we begin to go, I'm so focused and so consumed in all these future things that I begin to walk out my present days not being obedient to the simple things I know to be true. 
So one of the questions is this, what do we know to be true from these end times events? And we know at least one thing, and it's there in Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. We know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. There is coming a day where God is going to resurrect the dead. Some are going to resurrect unto everlasting life, and some are going to resurrect into everlasting death. Those are the two categories that the Bible gives us. Our eschatology informs us that these are the only two options. And see, we may not know much else from these final verses, but we do know for sure that on the final day, this event will happen. Everybody is going to be resurrected. And those who died in Christ here on earth, trusting and resting in the shed blood and the broken body of Jesus Christ, saying, He alone is my only hope of salvation. He is the one who reconciles me to my Creator. Sin has separated me. I need somebody to do what I can't do. I see that Jesus is the only answer, and I'm trusting out my days here on earth, living for my Savior and my Lord who redeemed me and reconciled me to God the Father. For those people who die in that state, they have the promise, everlasting life is yours on that final day. But our eschatology also informs us that there are many people walking this earth who do not believe that, who do not trust that who find no need for Jesus Christ, who think they're good because they're good in and of themselves. Why do I need Jesus when I've got myself? Why trust in Jesus when I can trust myself? I don't need a Savior because that would admit that there's something wrong with me, and I see nothing wrong with me. I see no need to be reconciled to a God because I'm already right with God. And they're blind to the fact because the God of this age blinds our eyes to see the gospel light in the face of Jesus Christ. And the Bible clearly teaches us that on that day, those who die not trusting in Jesus Christ Their bodies will go into the grave and then the promise that they have is on that final day. They will be resurrected, but it's unto eternal death, everlasting condemnation. And so this is my argument for why eschatology is for evangelism. See, all of us know somebody in our world right now, if they were to die at this point, they would be resurrected unto everlasting death. Because they're not trusting in Jesus Christ as their only hope of salvation. We know what the fate of this person would be. We may not know all the other details of what's going to happen on that final day, but we at least know this. This person, if they die right now apart from Christ, they would be one of those resurrected unto everlasting death. And because we know that to be true, and we have that future reality staring us in the face, I think the call of the book of Daniel is to go, you know this is to be true, and so let the reality of the promise of resurrection, either unto everlasting life or everlasting death, now inform the way you walk in obedience to that eschatology, to that reality 
to that truth that the person that you meet every day in the hallway, your friend, your neighbor, your schoolmate, your coworker, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, your aunt, your uncle, the person who lives in the apartment below you, the neighbor up and down the street, if they do not know Jesus and they die, they will be counted among those who will perish forever. And because we know that to be true, we are compelled to faithfully pray for and proclaim Christ to this person. I think this is one of the simple applications to Daniel 7 through 12. So if you went home today and you were just to sit down and go, I'm going to try to understand Daniel 7 through 12, and you read through it and you're like, yep, the second time, second verse was not not as good as the first. I still found myself in a place going, I've heard, but I don't understand. I think you could walk away with this, at least this one point. I Man, I, I know where this thing is going. I know how God is wrapping up the course of human history. And because this is true, I am compelled by the living God to walk in faithfulness to what I know to be true. And I want to tell those who don't know Christ about Christ. So here's how we're going to respond this morning. The band can make their way on up here as we, as we wrap up this morning in prayer. Again, all of us know someone in this place to where if they died right now, they would resurrect unto everlasting death. And the Bible says they need to be washed clean by the blood of Christ so that they can be reconciled to God, their creator. All of us have a name of that one person right now, just right here in the forefront of our mind. And so as we wrap up right now, before we move into a time of taking the Lord's Supper, what I'm going to do is lead us in a prayer. And I want us to pray a very specific prayer for this person that right now is just like a, a blinking neon light in your mind. They've got it. You've got that name. And I want you to pray for this person by name right now. I want us to go to God and say, God, I want you to use me to save this person. Use me to proclaim Jesus to this person. This person is like some of these people we leave here. Like they just truly don't understand the state of their soul. They think they're okay with you, God, but the reality is, is they're not because they're trusting in everything but Jesus, the one name given under heaven by which men must be saved. And so we're going to pray right now. I'm going to ask you to join me that God would use us to save some of these people that he would wield us like instruments in his hands so that the next time we see them and have conversation with them, we can simply tell them about their need for Jesus, asking that God would soften their hearts to respond by placing their faith in Jesus. So go ahead and stand to your feet. And the band's going to begin to play even now. And I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. And I want you to name this person by name in your mind, to yourself, as we join in praying this prayer together.